Hey, Liam and Tom, you guys both kind of consider yourselves writers, right? I would say that. Literally my major. In some way or some form. I've got a quick question for you. Let's say you were writing something to be performed. What would be your goal for the emotional response of your audience? I would try to get them to, you know, just feel feel really excited. Like, you know how you do when the man hits the other man on the big screen? Like that. <laughs> Laughter. Because uh, I hear it's great medicine and people need medicine nowadays. So, I took a Pepto-Bismol earlier because I've had horrible diarrhea all day. I'm on two Sudafed. What, you know, other people don't hit us with, like, way too much information about their bodies when I do that question. I didn't even ask you how you were this time. I avoided that on purpose. <laughs> I'll get there somehow. So, but, but my point is you wouldn't, you wouldn't, I don't know, try to make your audience go to war. I guess not. These are very leading questions. Maybe though, Eric. that that would be that would be a pretty impressive effect, though, Eric. I do have to say. All right, but Tom, I'm gonna need a yes or a no there. I, I would not want that. No, me personally, no. Interesting choice. So what's best for me and my family and my <laughs> God? No. <laughs> Big Time Whoopsies, a podcast about incompetence on a grand scale. I am your host, Eric McAdams, and this is kind of a special episode because normally I tell a story involving massive incompetence to one guest and you, the listener, but this time I got two dang guests. You sure do. It's the dynamic duo. Batman. Oh yeah, I'm definitely Robin. <laughs> and, oh, I was going to say Batman and Mr. Freeze. Tim Drake, though. <laughs> Everyone's favorite dynamic duo. Hi, it's the major cast co-founders. Uh-huh. Yep, and that's me and him. I'm, I'm Tom. I refuse to say my name because it's splattered all over this website. <laughs> Figure it out, folks. And that's Liam. Yeah. It's, Thanks, guys. It's Tom Guess, and Liam. Guys, all right, not to talk shop, but like podcasts, all about mystery now. We've just <laughs> killed the mystery of this episode. Well, I'm sure you'll be able to track exactly when people turned off this episode. I bet it I'd won't be. I'd like to be think wh- at the end of the show. I bet it won't be when you said you killed the mystery. I bet it'll be when Tom goes, I had diarrhea today. <laughs> you know what's crazy is we, you, Eric, both of us have the power to edit that out, and I feel like we're both not going to. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I'm not going to. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Cool. It's in there now. Anyways, Eric, thanks for having both of us back on our favorite podcast yeah, that isn't is ours. Yeah, great. Yeah, thanks. You guys are so nice. And that about isn't like podcast. you know, Dave Anthony's or anything. Yeah, so no, let's... it's not like this is biting off a formula by a much of a much more successful podcast or anything. <laughs> well, yeah, there's one of you. There's not two of you. <laughs> well, now <laughs> totally there's three different. of me, Liam. Oh, oh no! This Jesus. is how he's gonna get us. Gonna trick us into killing ourselves? All right, Donald Sutherland, before you body snatch us, let's get this show on the road. Yeah, what are we talking about today, Eric? That bit went in a very different direction than I was expecting. It's a crossover between all our podcasts. Media majors, shmanime, big time whoopsie. (laughs) All right. And we just call it... Just call it garbage. You want to get into it? Yep. Kind of. All right. Filippo Tommaso Emilio Marinetti is born in 1876 in Egypt. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, wasn't expecting that country to come at the end of those names. I wonder why. Yeah. (laughs) He was born to a lawyer father and the daughter of a literature professor. He was educated in Egypt, France, Switzerland, and Italy, and spoke many of those of the languages native to those countries. And he ends up in France in the early 1900s, 
where he immerses himself in the world of modern art, eschewing his former planned career of being a lawyer. Ah, threw off daddy's shackles, I see. <laughs> More like he graduated with a law degree and then said, fuck it, I want to write poetry. Oh, okay, so no throwing off of shackles in any way. Yeah, just he was, kind of, he was he just all set. He sounds like kind of a wad. He was all set to be a lawyer, and then he just kind of went like, eh, I think I'd rather write Why write draft jurors when I can draft my heart? He had had a long passion for literature. He edited uh, student journals while he was in school. One time he published a novel by Emile Zola, which was considered scandalous and was almost expelled from that school. He was... It was about, was about like sexy things it was an emile zola novel it wasn't that crazy you should look him up he's a funny looking guy anyway even as a school child he was a bit of a firebrand known for uh upsetting authorities and pushing the limits of what he could achieve with his art and that's part of why modern art suited him so well he immersed himself in modern art in paris and modern art at this time the early 1900s so You've seen kung fu movies, right? Yeah. They yes. didn't do kung fu. When the man hit the man on the big screen. Yes. They didn't do kung fu, but it was kind of like how, you know, some of those you'd see like a bunch of different schools of kung fu and they'd all be like, our kung fu is the best. Yeah. I feel like you're tricking us with kung fu to make us learn something. Our kung fu will make you the biggest, the strongest. You will have that hairstyle. You all know what I'm talking about. What? No but one like, knows Bruce what you're Lee. talking about. Bruce Lee has a very on. normal hairstyle. Yeah, they oh, don't. No, I'm they not don't call. It's a bad hairstyle. But like, th there's. The, if I walk into a barbershop and if say I walk the Bruce into a Lee, they'll right go, now, "What are you talking about?" And say, "Give me the hair of Bruce Lee." They will say, first of all, we can't physically give you the hair of Bruce Lee." Is that as we, as we all know? Well, then I'm clearly going to the, the wrong barbershop. What did Bruce Lee's hair look like? Wasn't it just short? I guess, yeah. So, in the same way, every modern art movement thinks that it is the best and truest form of art that has ever been made. And for this reason, they get pretty contentious. And Marinetti, at first, is a symbolist. <laughs> we don't know what symbolism is. Okay. Wait. Well, we know what symbolism is. We don't know is, what symbolism the art movement art is. Form. Symbolism is an avant-garde movement which uses concrete depictions to convey or evoke feelings or ideas that may be divorced from that. The, okay. the literal interpretation of what they're saying or depicting is not necessarily what they're trying to evoke from you. They're mm, more going okay. for the feeling. He doesn't remain a symbolist for very long, but it influences him. We're going to skip some stuff. In 1909... Whoa! I felt like we just jumped over everything. Pump the brakes there, buddy. No, we'll come back to it. In 1909, he oh, writes man. the Futurist Manifesto. Oh, well, great. Seeing as every manifesto I've ever had to read has always been a downer. Here's my huge thing about how the future is going to be really great. And, oh, but then there's this one chapter that I've snuck in there about how the real problem is Jewish Jews. people. It's Jews. It's always, it's always Jewish Jews. People. That's not really Marinetti's deal. He was not an anti-Semite. I'll say that up front. Boo! I thought this was going to be a fun podcast. <laughs> Nope, sorry. What the Futurist Manifesto did was it declared an entirely new, completely dynamic form of art, free of any kind of limitations. It was Watercolors. meant to be a brief, synthetic form of theater, art, what have you, of writing, whatever kind of art you wanted to do with it. And uh, it's a lot, this manifesto. <laughs> awesome. Have and you read it? Has a manifesto. Has yes. ever not been a lot? Has you ever have you ever read a manifesto? Oh, look a breezy pamphlet. <laughs> I can finish this in two minutes. So, Marinetti was kind of a blustery guy, and for the most part, that's what he's doing. And he's t just kind of talking about how his art is and his friend's art is going to be the best art, and that's how it's going to be. But mm. he gets like, this guy sounds like a real piece of shit. Sounds like an improv comedian. <laughs> sounds like a huge New York. Asshole. Yeah, sounds like a dick bag. <laughs> So, but specifically, I told you that it's a very dynamic form of art, and I'm just going to read you a couple highlights, because he's got a whole list <laughs> awesome. of great, great, points great. That, is, that futurism is going to 
exemplified. I want you. I want you to pour this down my throat like yogurt, the putting first, good bacteria back in my stomach. The first fucking point. Just stretching the limits of what a metaphor is, aren't we, Tom? The first point is we want to sing the love of danger, the habit of energy and rashness. What so, the fuck does any of that mean? This is why Next if, point. You, if someone decides to be a poet late in life, you should cut off their hands. Liam, huh? he's only like 33 now. I'd cut off his hands. That's not late in life, Liam. That's late in life for me. <laughs> Liam's planning on checking out at 45. <laughs> I'm planning on checking out next week. Oh, boy. <laughs> The next point is the essential elements of our poetry will be courage, daring, and revolt. I mean that one makes sense, but that is I mean we're gonna we're gonna skip some of these points because it's a little long-winded and not that important. But here's a here's a pretty good one. We declare that the splendor of the world has been enriched by a new beauty, the beauty of speed. A racing automobile with its bonnet adorned with great tubes like serpents with explosive breath. A roaring motor car which seems to run on machine gun like fire is more beautiful than the victory of Samothrace, which is a statue. We go The fast. bluest hedgehog shooting across <laughs> the zones of green. Rings adorn his fingers as chili dogs slide down his gullet. Gotta go fast. <laughs> A mantra for the new yeah, era. We both heard that and went, Sonic the Hedgehog Sonic the joke coming up after this. Oh folks. no, I figured that might be where we went with that. Gotta go fast. <laughs> so, I'm gonna do two more. First... Beauty exists only in struggle. There is no masterpiece that has not an aggressive character. Poetry must be a violent assault on the forces of the unknown to force them to bow before man. Dude, just like make art without sucking your own dick the whole time. Like, I love when like if I want to fight someone, I tape two Robert Frost books to my hand and punch <laughs> them with it, and it's like poetry just killed you, motherfucker. Just make art and be happy about it. No, no, no. tape poetry books to your hand <laughs> and, and then, go punch people and beat the shit out of Robert Frost. <laughs> He's dead. Guys, I'm gonna do one more, and it's the big one. Okay. So he did. This was like this wasn't even like the last one that he did in this art in this manifesto. He just kind of buries it in there, but like wow. We want to glorify war. Oh, man. The soul hygiene of the world. Holy fucking Militarism, shit. patriotism, the destructive gesture of the anarchists, the beautiful ideas which kill, and contempt for woman. <laughs> wow. Okay, so this guy's just a fascist. He's more like just a tool. <laughs> Like, not like a tool of the common man or whatever. Like, just a tool. He's a stick in the bundle, yeah. <laughs> He's just a dork. He also mentions how he wants to demolish all museums because they're just cemeteries and not interesting. How he wants to combat <laughs> any kind of cowardice and how he wants to especially break free of feminism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. He's a Reddit this, troll. this guy's a fascist. Yeah. So, obviously, this sparks an incredibly popular art movement. I mean... Oh, for God's sake. Of course it does. Can we as a human race maybe just, like... Tell artists to just, like, calm down oh, I was a gonna say, little bit. I was gonna say just start over. Just wipe everyone out. Because it seems like every generation Nazis still happen. <laughs> maybe. Artists from all stripes flock to Marinetti after he publishes this manifesto. Also, his name is Marinetti, and this episode is called The Italy of the Future because it's about Italian futurism. Right, right. He publishes it in French in Paris. <laughs> Good. Oh my God. Keep him guessing. It gets spread all around Europe. Artists flock to him, but especially Italians. <laughs> but not, and artists meaning uh, sculptors, painters, even architects, playwrights, poets, all these different forms of arts. All come to Marinetti. We want to be fascists, they scream. <laughs> well, hold on. One of, them, one of them was a young Mussolini. Oh Famous artist Mussolini. Yeah. Well, just like Hitler. He bombed art school. No. He fascist. bombed an art school. Is that the secret? Is that the secret? To if you fascism? fail art school, you become a fascist? Yeah. <laughs> Is that why we're not fascists? Because we made it. Yeah. We made it through, like, an art school, quote unquote. 
Are you failing art school? Try harder, please. <laughs> please try For the harder. sake of the universe. Yeah. Well, I mean, Marinetti did fine in art school. Well, like, your theory no, just fuck. got fucking Shit. wrecked. Yeah. Thanks for like, mentioning that now, You Eric. let me talk all that time. Also, he did really well in law school. He was a pretty smart guy. Now I'm going to sound like a stupid person, and we wouldn't want that to happen. <laughs> over 50 episodes of Media Matrix. Exactly. Things about futurism that you might find interesting. Yeah. So, first the art stuff. Like, just the, just the techniques. Paintings uh, were similar to divisionism or cubism. They were more abstract than they were literal inter uh, presentations of their subject matter. They were most... You can see them, and actually, I think the paintings are the best art that the futurists produce. They are, they are explosions of light and color and impossible movement and angles, and it's meant to convey dynamism, and it probably does the best job out of any of them. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. You should look up specifically the painter Umberto Boccioni. I recommend some of his work and his sculpture. I genuinely think he was a very talented artist. Cool. The theater, uh, they had some opinions on, especially because theater was is such an old form of art and has so many conventions and rules. They were like, hey, fuck this. Why do we have to sit here and watch plays for five hours when I could write a play in five minutes that touches on the exact same themes? Which, like, That's I That's a get. pretty good question. Why not? And so their theater was, they called synthetic theater in that it in that its main purpose was to be simultaneous it wasn't necessarily bound by laws or rules or logic or psychological continuity it was just meant to convey one emotion one idea as quickly and as effectively as possible these words are literally Bumming like me out. burning burning searing liam's flesh oh i don't sounds like actually yeah liam why are you reacting so negatively to this part well because i i know people in art school who would have fucking jizzed all over this type of bullshit <laughs> i don't think it's bullshit is not the approaching i'm not in here mind. for it see i'm fine with avant-garde theater i'm fine with this stuff i'm just trying to characterize them however their content tended to be indictments of what they called passeist theater they intended oh, they tended to be indictments God, of the of society yeah they intended to, they tended to be uh, indictments of society at large, any kind of traditional element they thought should just be thrown away, gotten rid of, in favor of new technology. Fuck a stage! <laughs> Fuck chairs! Yeah, that's, yeah. Fuck an audience! We're doing this, we're doing this play in the ocean! We're doing this play underwater for nobody! <laughs> <laughs> so, I just, I watched, I had a drama class where we had to watch this one play that was about, like, the end of the world, and this family had a pet woolly mammoth and a pet dinosaur, and this was a play. Thornton Wilder. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's just Thornton Wilder. Uh, well, here's my thing about it. He won bullets. Get better rubber suits, guy! <laughs> what? It looked bad. The rubber costumes for the dinosaur and the woolly mammoth. Oh. My, uh, my school performed that a while ago. Thornton Wilder is still very Why? That plays a downer. Did you ever... Yeah. Did you ever read Our Town? Is he Our Town? Yeah. Same guy. I'll have to check out Our Town. Our Town is actually, I think, a very good play, but only because of the final act. I thought Our Town was a musical. Oh my god. No, it's really what? not. Oh, interesting. It's, it's more like, here's small town America. Now let's talk about existential dread and what the world is made up of. Dirt. Nope. <laughs> Dirt rocks and that weird lava crap. <laughs> Fixed it for you. Uh huh. They could have been over in a page. Yeah, you're see now you're thinking like a futurist. So there on top go. of that, their content I just like that artist future. So we mentioned contempt for woman. Women tended to only be, exist in their art to be conquered and left behind. Their influence on male artists' minds were were seen as hindering, essentially. Oh my god. They were, like they how were... Thomas Jefferson didn't want women around because he thought they would, like, distract all the founding fathers with their odors and such. Thomas Jefferson was fucking gross. <laughs> He's their their gross objection man. to women was more because they viewed men as active and dynamic and women as static and they didn't want to be held back. Gotcha. This did not stop most of them from having very normal marriages. <laughs> uh, I, 
I think it. I think it they, did. They just they, weren't aware. Yeah, they had marriages, and those marriages were not fun to be in for one half say, of the marriage. Tom, I didn't say they were fun to be in. I said they were normal. I guess. Ooh, no, wow. No, wow. Okay, hang on a second. Nice. Let's talk about your value system, Eric. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield talking about marriage over here. Oh boy. So aside from the whole women thing, Marinetti had some ideas about food. <laughs> awesome. Like what it was? Awesome. Awesome. So um, the idea. Okay, food. We we get it. You you're excited. It. No, no, no. You eat food. Right. Like that's it. That's, oh, you okay. Have, I like, see what you're saying. Ideas right, 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 right. So I'm thrilled to see where this is going. So what like dish would you most associate with Italy? Like, I mean, t- my my first one would just be uh, pasta. Yeah, that's a good guess. Marinetti hated pasta. <laughs> All right. Okay. Cool. He thought not every was... Italian has like pasta, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> You know, sometimes you can color in between the lines. <laughs> we don't have to follow your fucking structure, man. <laughs> so why do you think it's weird that this guy didn't like pasta? He thought it was too heavy. Ah, there we go. <laughs> if you would let me heavy fucking food. finish yeah. the sentence. Just eat less pasta. You would think that would be a solution. But no. Instead, he came up with ideas for futurist restaurants. He theorized that in the future, people would only eat through pills. Okay. That would be the only diet, and that's what he wanted to do. Apparently, I just think he didn't like eating. To be honest. I don't like the texture of food. I prefer a little jelly bean that I can swallow. Like, He's, I don't like having energy to like be alive. <laughs> I was hoping you meant that like the f- the pasta was physically too heavy for him to carry from the store back to his house. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's not eating enough. <laughs> uh, on, also, Marinetti is rumored to have, have fought a duel with a critic who is too harsh with one of his works. Oh, just like Uwe Boll. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened with that. I couldn't find too much evidence yeah, that happened. Because history, history doesn't want you to know what happened <laughs> yeah, to that because it got fucking dark. <laughs> On top of that, another guy who was um, kind of tangentially, well, he was a futurist named uh, Giacomo Bala, named his daughter. It's just an Italian name. Goofus. Yeah. He named his daughter Elica, which is like, that sounds nice. Guess what it means? Oh no. Dutch fart. It means propeller. <laughs> I've what, said that you just <laughs> like This is my daughter propeller and my son V8 engine. Hey, le- seat that also works as a flotation device. Get down from there. It's the third kid. I talked about the their whole thing with uh race cars and shit. They like technology and apparently Giacomo really liked planes. <laughs> In the future, everyone will be named after plane parts. Oh my god. I just... Yeah, clearly. Critics were pretty divided about futurism. There was a, guy, a French critic named Apollinaire who uh, was actually the one who coined the term cubism. Oh. And he was pretty negative. Not enough cubes. <laughs> He was pretty negative on it at first, although he kind of softens on it. Um, and <laughs> he finally got enough cubes. <laughs> in his initial review, he draws parallels to another movement called unanimism, which was a made which was founded by a French guy named Jules Roman. Unanimism was a school of art that stressed how everything was one, how everything was happening all at once how all things are linked and how everything is simultaneous. Does this sound at all familiar? I, I stopped part. listening like 20 minutes ago. I don't, man. Then nothing, why would you say that? Nothing gets we me are guests. Fast we are then. guests on a podcast. I was listening, Eric, and I thought that unanimism sounds like a very cool school of art, but the simultaneous <laughs> buzzword makes me think it sounds a little bit futurist. I'd, and you'd say that it was... Uh, building off of what futurism did, but actually the manifesto for unanimism came out a year before the manifesto for futurism. artists, stop making manifestos. Mm -hmm. Your pal, Liam. (laughs) No, but what's important here is that not only did uh, unanimism come out before futurism, the one that, like, they're drawing parallels between. 
Right. Uh, you can also, there's also evidence that Marinetti knew Jules Roman. There is also pretty obvious evidence that a lot of the futurists were using a lot of Roman's vocabulary to describe their cities and to, when, when they themselves were writing futurist works. Fucking stealing. As well. Yeah. Theft. What's the fancy word for that? Plagiarism. Plagiarism. Thank you. Remember how this was supposed to be an entirely new and dynamic form of art? Yep. God. I knew it wasn't gonna be. This is big time whoopsies after <laughs> all. On top of that, the groups, the, the, the different groups of Italian futurism, because there's like one per city now, they become increasingly warlike. So much so <laughs> that uh, they start doing... Um, what they called futurist evenings where they would <laughs> go outside and put on a spacesuit. They would gather a crowd. They would shout their manifestos that they were writing. Wow. They would, people sound Silly. really fun to hang out with. They would perform hastily written plays that, you know, could be performed in like five minutes or less, essentially. Were they like a playoff? Usually by the end of it, they'd riot. <laughs> awesome. These people sound... Art, art is terrible. Because during these futurist evenings, uh, the spectators love to throw vegetables at the artists. Good. Good. Thank Good. God As the spectators. Really and the, the artists, artists actively encouraged that. They liked uh, kind of... Ah, they're oh. ruining it. Oh, so they're not ruining only, it. No, 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 no. So not only are they super annoying, they're also nasty. They're also sore losers. They're also so gross. Cover me in, cover me in no, your no, rotten No, 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 no. It's not that, Tom. It. It's, not, it's not them being nasty. It's them wanting more conflict. Because they want as much argument as they can get. They want to. Be, they want as much as possible for their evenings to devolve into fights. They wanted be, riots to end at to begin at the end of their plays. I would be so <sighs> upset if I was a spectator chucking fruit, uh, fruit and veggies at bad artists, and then being like, "Yeah, yeah we love this it. discourse." It's like, no, I hate your art. It's and all want, part of my vision. You know, you're, now I'm not gonna throw any vegetables oh. at you. Good, nice. that's what I secretly wanted. Ah! Nice try, you futurist son of a gun. <laughs> so we're going to take the break and do an ad here. Cool. But when we come back, we're going like to take Austin? you inside what happened at one of these futurist evenings, and we're going to give you a brief performance of some of the futurist plays. So stick around after the break. Hey, I'm Liam. And I'm Eric, and we host an anime podcast. Hold on, hold on. It's, it's funny. I, I don't like anime. And I do like anime. And we watch it, and we review it, and I Well, I review it, and then you derail everything. Yes. Um, it's called the Shmanime Podcast. It's on the Major Cast Network every other Wednesday. Do we commit to that? When did that happen? Oh, fuck, it's Tuesday, isn't it? <laughs> every other Tuesday. <laughs> on the Major Cast Network, or iTunes, or wherever you get podcasts. Probably. Welcome to Big Time Whoopsies Theater. Tonight we will be performing Umberto Baccioni's Genius and Culture, a short play wherein Tom will be playing the artist, Liam will be playing the critic, and I will be reading stage directions and playing the woman. Let's get started. In the center, a costly dressing table with a mirror in front of which a very elegant woman, already dressed to leave, finishes putting on rouge. At the right, a critic, an ambiguous being, neither dirty nor clean, neither old nor young, neutral, is sitting at a table overburdened with books and papers, on which shines a large paper knife, neither modern nor antique. He turns his shoulder to the dressing table. At left, the artist, an elegant youth, searches in a large file, sitting on thick cushions on the floor. Oh, it's terrible. I must get out of here to be renewed. He gets up, tearing the abstract designs from the file with convulsive hands. Liberation! These empty forms worn out. Everything is fragmentary, weak. Oh, Art! <laughs> who? Who will help me? He looks around, continues to tear up the designs with sorrowful and convulsive motions. The woman is very near him but doesn't hear him. The critic becomes annoyed but not very and going near her takes a book with a yellow jacket. But what's the matter with that clown that he acts and shouts that way? Oh, well, he is an artist. He wants to renew himself, and he hasn't a scent. Strange. An artist. Impossible. For 20 years, I have profoundly studied the marvelous phenomenon 
but I can't recognize it. That one is crazy. Or a protester. He wants to change. A creation is a serene thing. A work of art is done naturally, in silence, and in recollection, as a nightingale sings. Spirit in the sense that Hegel means spirit. <laughs> and if you know how it is done, why don't you tell him? Poor thing, he's distressed. For centuries, the critic has told the artists how to make a work of art. Since ethics and aesthetics are functions of the spirit. But you, you've never made any? Me? Not me. <laughs> well then, you know how to do it, but you won't do it. You are neutral. How boring you must be in bed. She continues putting on her rouge. Glory! Oh, glory! I am strong! I am young! I can face anything! Oh! <laughs> Divine electric lights! Sun! To electrify the, the crowds! Burn them! Dominate them! Poor thing! Without any money! Oh! I am wounded! I can't resist any longer. Ooh! A woman! <laughs> the critic has already taken a return to good many books. He leafs through them and cuts them. You! You, sir, who are a man, listen! Help me. Cut, cut, cut. Calm down. Let's realize the differences. I am not a man. I am a critic. I am a man of culture. The artist is a man, a slave, a baby. Therefore, he makes mistakes. I don't see myself as being like him. In him, nature is chaos. The critic and history are between nature and the artist. History is history. In other words, subjective fact. That is to say, fact in words, history. Anyways, it is itself objective. At these words, the artist who has listened in a stupor falls on the cushions as if struck by lightning. The critic, unaware of this, turns and goes slowly to the table to consult his books. My god! That poor youth is dying! She kneels in front of the artist and caresses him kindly. Oh! Signora! Thank you! Oh! Love! Maybe love! How beautiful you are! Listen! Listen to me! If you want... If you know what a terrible thing the struggle is without love, I want to love! Understand? My friend, I understand you, but now I haven't time. I must go out. I am expected by my friend. It is dangerous. He is a man, that is to say, he has a secure position. <laughs> What's going shit. on? I don't understand anything. Oh, sorry, let me read my line. <laughs> What's going on? I don't understand anything. Shut up, idiot. <laughs> Eric, read your line. Shut up, idiot. <laughs> You don't understand anything. Come, help me to lift him. You must cut this knot that is choking his throat. Just a minute. He carefully lays down the books and puts the others aside on the chair. Hegel, Kant, Hartman, Spinoza? Run, come here, help me to unfasten it. What are you saying? Come over here, are you afraid? Hurry, back here there is an artist who is dying because of an ideal. <laughs> oh my god. But one never knows. An impulse? A passion? Without control? Without culture? In short, I prefer him dead. The artist must be. He stumbles and falls clumsily on the artist, stabbing his neck with the paper knife. Whoa! Idiot! Assassin! You have killed him! You are red with blood! I, senora? How? I don't understand. Red? Red? Yours is a case of colorblindness. Enough! Enough! It is late! I must go! Poor youth! He was different and likable! She exits. <laughs> I can't find my bearings! Oh my god. He is dead. The artist is really dead. Ah! He is breathing. I will make a monograph. He goes slowly to his table. From a case, he takes a beard a meter long and applies it to his chin. He puts on his glasses, takes paper and pencil, then looks among his books without finding anything. He is irritated for the first time and pounds his fists, shouting, Aesthetics! Aesthetics! Where is aesthetics? Finding it, he passionately holds a large volume to his chest. Ah! Here it is. Skipping, he goes to crouch like a raven near the dead artist. He looks at the body and writes, 
Toward 1915, a marvelous artist blossomed. He takes a tape measure from his pocket and measures the body. Like all great ones, he was 1.68 meters tall. And his width? While he talks, the curtain falls. So do you guys fucking get it? Yeah, do the you artist get it? 1.68 meters. <laughs> Artists gotta be tall. No, I get yeah, it. Yeah, you, would... you need that 5.6 artist. Yeah. <laughs> that 6.1 artist? I don't know what it is. It's like I can't five, do six. the meter conversion. Um, This, uh, to me, reeks a lot of, like, uh, uh, Kevin Smith, who now refuses to release his movies to critics because they say mean things about his bad movies. It reminded me of that scene in M. Night Shyamalan's, uh, you know, perennial hit, Lady, Lady in the Water, where... Uh, he has a critic get killed criticizing the movie that he's in and like a meta sense and the scene makes me want to vomit every single time I watch it. What about the scene where the the puzzle solver is the kid reading code in the breakfast cereals? Yep. And where M. Night Shyamalan plays himself in a movie as a as a writer who's going to great it's a, a work of art so great it's going to change the entire world. I want to die. Oh boy. Eric. It's my mom's favorite movie. I've seen it five times and i hate myself and everything in the world and got dealt a real raw hand you guys eric so there there are still avant-garde theater people who think that this was an influential satirical work oh boy that's dumb there Have aren't like it? a lot of them <laughs> i was gonna say because this is this is bad yeah i i don't feel the need to justify saying that anymore i feel like it's pretty self-evident yeah Anyway, this was the uh, dynamic new work of art that was going to change the face of society. Time. Should we get into feet? Eric, I can't believe that you waited this long to get into feet. So the other images that I sent you are part yes. of a series of sketches called Feet by the man himself, Filippo Marinetti. This makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> So for each of these, there is one, there's a stage direction. A curtain edged in black should be raised to about the height of a man's stomach. The public sees only legs in action. The actors must try to give the greatest expression to the attitudes and movement of their lower extremities. The first one that we're going to do is there are two characters. One named a man who is walking slowly with gouty feet. Me, 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 me. And the other, a man who is walking rapidly. Well, I guess that'll be me then. Take it away, boys. Hurry! Via paciente! <laughs> it's vile paseus. Yeah. Because in not Spanish, my the L doesn't go, yeah, it's two L's. Woo! But don't worry. You want to try that? You want to try that one again? I do not know how to speak Spanish. This is French. Yeah. Are you fucking serious? I'm even worse at that. Do you want me to read both parts in different voices? No. Um, I guess. <laughs> Why don't you hurry? Guys, you guys can. Vile. No. What? We told vile. you what it was. The, vile. The vile. Word vile. Vile. It. You are reading English. <laughs> This says, hurry, vile, paseist. Oh, we talked about the paseists earlier in the podcast. <laughs> Good lord. Eric, I'm reading both in different voices. I'll do, I'll do the first one, Liam. Fair enough. Hurry, vile, paseist. Ah, what fury. There is no need to run. He who goes slowly is healthy. Says so, my big gouty feet. Just to be clear here, the good guy in this scenario is the first one. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the futurists are trying to tell. So, do any of the other ones strike you? Do you want to read any of those? I kind of want to read a couch. I'm into it. Can I, okay, can I get my shot of redemption here? Yeah. I'll yeah. be another. Okay. Eric, do you want to be one? I'll read stage direction. Okay. All right. Three women. Which one do you prefer? All three of them. And scene. Scene. Okay, uh, I've got some notes. Tom, <laughs> I feel like there's a little bit in the, uh, of a hesitation between three and of them. I need you to hit that a lot harder. <laughs> Eric, you were perfect. Thanks. Don't change a thing. Ah. It's 
because I'm fucking the director. <laughs> it's true. All of you need to take note. <laughs> I like these. Let's do more. They're very so fun. I sent you some more. All right. Pedal operated sewing machine. <laughs> All right, Liam, I think you get to take this one. <laughs> yeah. I think I can do... The, I think this one should be just a monologue and he's, he's that I'm directing. Take it away, Liam. <clears throat> a girl who is working. I will see him on Sunday. And scene. <laughs> Thank you. Uh. All right, next one. Oh, okay. I actually... I like this one. A man... There are two characters. Yeah. Three, technically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a man who is running away. A foot that is kicking at him, and the man who is giving the kick. Imbecile! Scene. And once again, the good guy in this scenario is the one giving the kick. I think we should read a table. I'd like to read the other couch one. Oh, is there another couch There's one? There's another couch one. But, but a table will be the one we close on. Okay, good. All right, so the stage direction for for the second couch is three officials. Liam, do you want to play one, Tom, another? Three officials. Which one do you prefer? The second one. The second one must be the woman who shows the most leg of the three. Oh, Same. my God. You didn't even you read know? that, did you? Nope. You know who the real star of that one was? The stage direction. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I called that at the beginning. Do we want to do a table? I think we got to close on close. the God's gift that is a table. On a yeah. table. So the stage directions for a table are... Actually, wow. Eric, Eric, I think uh, I think one of us should read stage directions and you should read the Sounds yeah, good. The do it. You want to just alternate on the names? Sure. Yeah. All right. You go. A father. A bachelor. Hey. A young girl. When you have the degree, you will marry your cousin. And Jesus scene. Christ. And this has been your experience of what a futurist evening might have looked like. Just imagine this getting <laughs> pelted with vegetables. To be honest with you, that was pretty fun. I can uh, see why they did it. And then demanding to be pelted with more vegetables. Oh, yeah. are you kidding me? The futurist evenings sound great. You like Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. You perform some like improv theater, you like get into arguments, then you like all fight. It sounds fun. <laughs> That's basically what would happen after my college improv shows. That's my this kind is more of party. alcohol. <laughs> One time we drank moonshine before a show. I don't remember how the show went. Because <laughs> we drank moonshine before it. <laughs> So we're going to get back to history now. And we're back. And we're back. So uh, I don't remember much about what happens in the middle of the 1910s. Do you remember any kind of big event that happens there? Oh, 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 pick me, pick me, pick me. Oh, Liam, Liam, you're raising your hand. Okay, so Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife Sophia are driving, and there's this dude eating a sandwich, and he's bummed out because he was going to try to assassinate Franz Ferdinand like 15 minutes ago, and it didn't work. (laughs) And he's eating the sandwich, and he looks over, and he sees Franz oh, Ferdinand, he and he goes over and shoots him. And then Europe decides to fucking it's attack implode. each other, <laughs> and World War One happens. World War One happens, and if you remember, the Italians fought on the Allied side. They did, along with um, Britain, France, and many others. Yeah. So, there's going to be a whole other big-time whoopsie about the Italian army in World War One their leadership and the choices they made like the guy who probably killed more of his own men than the enemy oh my god that'll happen guess who's really fucking jazzed for world war one in italy our our young art boy man the italian futurists view war as the sole hygiene of the world if you remember had this guy ever seen combat he will Okay. In so fact, would, what J.R. Tolkien? In 1915, they uh, Filippo Marinetti, yeah. along with a couple other writers, writes another manifesto, and it literally begins oh with the sentence: "Amazing." As we await our much prayed for great war, we futurists carry our violent anti-neutralist action from city square to university and back again. Using our art to prepare the Italian sensibility for the great hour of maximum danger. 
Wow. There are like eight different Sylvester Stallone movie titles in that sentence. I know. So, not surprisingly, like I said, some of the Italian futurists start uh, leaving the movement. And there, uh, some (laughs) conflict between the different groups in the different cities starts arising. Some disavow the others. They're not like true futurists. There's also a group of Russian futurists that were influenced by Marinetti, but it's not quite the same. And after, around this point, they get so fed up with Marinetti that they block him from speaking in Russia. Good. Yeah. Um, their story is kind of a sad one, though. Uh, they get um, either absorbed into the Soviet Union or persecuted. Yeah. Yeah. So they uh, keep making art that glorifies war, and several of them go fight in World War One. And I swear I'm not making this up. A bunch of Italian futurists fought in the same battalion, which was called the Lombard Volunteer Cyclists. All right, mm-hmm. I'm going. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the podcast, Eric. <laughs> Had a really good time. But this, uh, I need to go drink bleach. Why cyclists? Because it's a joke. Because everything's a big fucking joke to them. <laughs> I'm not sure why they were called that because I can't find a lot of information about them. However, so being fucking funny. Their full title was the Lombard Volunteer Cyclists and Motorcyclists. Oh god. Which I hate says these to me that what they did was ride around on bicycles and motorcycles into battle. If these guys were born in 20 uh 20 like 10, they would be irony bros on Twitter. Man, mm. 1990. Almost certainly. Yeah. Among them is Filippo Marinetti. He is injured, but he does not die in World War I. However, two of the most talented futurists did die in World War I, including Umberto Baccioni, like the only one that I like. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Also, Antonio Santalia, who was an architect and went on to, and his work did go on to to influence a lot of other architects. And then, like, ten more less important ones also died in World War I. Fuck yeah, yeah, that. So yeah, it's almost like advocating for war and then going to war is not great for your survival rates as an art movement. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty bad. So. And kind of accordingly, futurism kind of stops being important after World War One. I'm okay with that. Shocker. They did not I did not seem to enjoy a lot of the, the, the mentalities that they brought to their art. Nobody told Marinetti about this. <laughs> of course not. Marinetti would continue to promote futurism until his death, and he got yeah. increasingly active in politics. Oh, he started, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Wait, Eric, He started please. a futurist political party in the late 1910s. No. And oh, then no. he would dissolve that after losing an election, and then most of the futurist party would get absorbed into the fascist party led yep, by yeah, Benito Mussolini. Marinetti himself would become one of the leading artistic figures in the fascist party. All right. Whoa. All right, Eric. I've had a wonderful time on the podcast. Thanks, yeah, buddy. We... So here's a fun fact. Benito Mussolini actually supported modern art. That wasn't very fun. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> and using this, uh, Marinetti kind of ingratiates himself with Mussolini's regi- regime. And kind of every time he ingratiates himself further into politics he gets less and less radical <laughs> surprisingly <laughs> he's getting older and more tired he can't punch as hard anymore it becomes pretty clear that all Marinetti's really trying to do is preserve the legacy of futurism Be- and it got so thoroughly absorbed into fascism because like they like Futurists were like nationalistic. They they endorsed violence and they endorsed like youth and strength and manliness. Does that, does that like it's it's right yeah. there? Yeah, I mean like I literally didn't I call them fascists at the beginning of the podcast? Yeah, yes, yeah. they went on to become fascists, and he spends his time making mediocre art and defending modern art from people who would try to censor it, which. Fun fact, included ex-futurists. An ex-futurist named Ardengo Sofici and other fascist ideologues tried to import the German idea of degenerate art. 
Degenerate art was a Nazi idea, which essentially just boiled down to Nazis didn't understand modern art and therefore it had to be degenerate. A lot of people kind of take a similar spin on modern art nowadays. Because if you don't understand it, it must it be must bad. It must be bad. Stories, mu any kind of art has to have a story that I understand. The only way that it works is if I get it. <laughs> yeah. Marinetti uh, dies like during Lincoln World War II dead. after serving in World War II, his second war, while he, and he fought while he was in his 60s. Wow. He survives it, goes back home, and has a heart attack. Because he lost? <laughs> I guess. You know, oh, boy. My wife's going to kill me. I kind of wish he'd survived just so he could see, like, hey, guess what happened when you, like, went to war with the rest of fucking Europe? Guess now what happened when you him. allied with Nazi Germany? Your goose is but he cool. never got to see it because he had a heart attack. And once he dies, futurism fades very quickly from importance because really all that was left of futurism was his own personality cult. And it's remembered today more for its influence than its own art. Cool. However, Umberto Boccioni's sculpture, one of those is on the 20 cent euro coin in Italy because he's oh. one of the few futurists who died too early to for him to actually become involved in fascism. It's cool. Now I know some shit about art history. Hell yeah. Tom, you're going to forget it once we leave this room. <laughs> yeah, this is very true. It's okay. He'll have this podcast going up in a week and a half to remind him. Yeah. Preserve the fact that I did learn something one time. Yeah. That's the end of the podcast. I'm not going to do a pickle for the knowing ones because I kind of did it in the middle of the episode about Umberto Boccioni. All right. Plugs. Uh, we do. You know what we do and who we are. Yeah, if you like how stupid these, if you like listening to two stupid clowns be really mean to Eric for an hour, honka, honka. then you should check out Media Majors, where we are just like mean to one another. No, we love each other on that show. There's a lot of love Ever on the program. <laughs> so you can check out Media Majors, and that would be good. Yeah, listen to other podcasts on the network too. There will be a new filmographers up the Friday this comes out. So that yeah, I'm plugging that while you listen to my new podcast that I produce that I'm not on. It's a great podcast. All right, those are our plugs, I think. Cool. My name is Eric McAdams. This has been Big Time Whoopsies. You can find me on Twitter at Audaciously Yours. You can find my personal website, NoCharacterIsSafe.com, and you can find my other podcast with it, which I do with somebody else. I can't remember the name. Don't don't find it. Don't <laughs> listen to podcast it. Podcast on the Major Cast Network. The Shmanime Podcast, the only podcast that makes you wish it was the videotape from The Ring. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to listen to the Drug Pokemon episode and gave up. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> editing that. Guess what? I cut an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Right, let's get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Say goodbye, Tom and Liam. Bye, Tom and Shut Liam. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major. <laughs>